Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Mr. Gadgets with Take Two. Uh, I just ran into a cellular hole there, and uh, I've been talking along for about five minutes, and uh, then the call got dropped. So, of course, you didn't hear all that, and it was eloquent. I'm really sorry for you. Anyway, <laughs> you might have noticed I've had several things in the queue here and on the calendar. I had noticed that the, the queue was getting down a bit on shows, so I called in a couple of them, uh, Get Off This Rock, Episode 1. Don't worry, there's an Episode 2 coming. I already have it in mind. Just have to do a little bit of research on some things I've read through the years, and uh, that'll be coming to you soon. Uh, also, I did a ham radio show, and, you know, that was just happenstance. I did not actually even look at the calendar and see that the other show about ham radio was in the queue already. That one was all, as I mentioned in the episode, uh, uh, it was something that I uh, was thinking of because I'd gone to an amateur radio, uh, the UK, the Golda Rally, right, an amateur radio ham fest. Uh, here in the Kansas City area, uh, not too far away from me, and uh, that is what got me thinking about amateur radio. So today, we're going to talk about, and this is another one of those things, kind of like Get Off This Rock Episode 2, you remember a while back, I phoned in the show, Why Android Tablets Suck, Uh, and I was lamenting, you know, the Android tablet marketplace and uh, the problems of someone trying to purchase an Android tablet and knowing what you were getting and all that kind of thing. Well, no, I'm not sure if I'm going to say that Android tablets, you know, are great now, but at least, uh, you know, Android tablets, uh, finally, there's an Android tablet I can really, uh, you know, recommend to people. So Android tablets are redeemed, let's call this episode, right? And this is all because of the lovely little Google Nexus Seven, something you have heard about, I'm sure. Uh, There's a lot of interest in this on the Internet, a lot of pre-orders and people anxiously awaiting and all that type of thing. And we'll talk a little bit about the pre-ordering and things like that. It's been a very successful product for, uh, you know, Google. Uh, They're making a tiny bit of money on each one, not too huge a profit, but they are making profit on each one. And, of course, it is very good at getting you into the Google marketplace and into the Google ecosystem. And that's the real key to these devices, is getting you into the ecosystem. Uh, This is a series of things that have happened, and uh, uh, I already expressed in the other one, but I'll reiterate, you know, I love the 7-inch tablet size. Uh, It is definitely something that I feel is very useful. Slightly more portable. We'll get into that later. Uh, and also, uh, it's it's a useful device for me. Uh, and uh, so I was I've been casting about to find the right one. I haven't bought all of them, but I've I've purchased several, and I went through the issues that I had with those. So the the Nexus Seven, of course, was uh, the kind of follow-on to probably the most successful first successful 7-inch tablet uh, from a quote-unquote major, you know, kind of uh, company was uh, the book color, right? Came along. Uh, very useful device for book reading and some web browsing, a few apps you can get, but a very limited app store. But it was very successful out of the box. It also had a little micro SD slot around in the corner, you know, that little kind of funny corner that has the little hole in it. And people used to make fun, you know, you could put little, you know, doodads hanging from there, you know, little Hello Kitty, you know, things or something. 
uh, or maybe even hang up like a, a big, big old heavy lanyard around your neck. Uh, but uh, that, there's actually a little secret door there. It's not too secret, but it's kind of uh, not too obvious place that you could open up and put in a micro SD card. And uh, very quickly, people were putting the whole operating system on there and uh, getting that to be a more functional machine. But, you know, you had to be at least somewhat technically savvy and know the right places to go to figure out how to do all that. Then came along the Amazon uh, Kindle Fire. And this one had definitely some advantages over the color. It out of the box is a very functional machine. It has a very good app store with not quite everything, but most of the things you want. So you can put on various kinds of apps onto the machine and get further functionality out of it. And probably most important, it is into an ecosystem that I've already invested in uh, in terms of my ebooks. I don't have that many ebooks from Barnes and Noble, but I do have ebooks from uh, you know the the Kindle ebooks from Amazon because the Amazon people are very very smart. Now the, the Barnes and Noble people also have this, but they have uh, an app that you can put on to other devices. Even though they don't sell you the device, they certainly want to be able to sell you uh, electronic books. And so they have uh, they follow on kinds of things to put on to other devices where you can read those books pretty much on any piece of hardware that you have. Very intelligent, very smart way to do things. And uh, so I already had several Kindle books uh, that I wanted to read, and I could read those very well. It's got the apps, like I say, very very useful and and very very uh, pleasant experience. Straight out of the box. I don't have to do anything to it to give it to be more functional. There are a few apps that uh, weren't available in the store, but I could live without those, and uh, very, very nice. So then Google decides to kind of address this whole thing about the fracturing of the market, you know, in, in terms of Android. Now, uh, I'm not going to get into it that much on the phone uh, side of things, uh, but from the tablet perspective, you're pretty much left in the lurch. You, unless you have a tablet that is particularly popular, most of the uh, roaming kind of things are about phones, less so about tablets. And unless you have a particularly popular tablet, you're not even going to be able to, unless you want to go out and get that code and, and do it yourself, you're not going to be able to install some other operating system on it and you're also not going to get an upgrade from the manufacturers of that device. So whatever you get, and quite often it's even older sometimes than the phones are typically shipping with, uh, whatever operating system you get, if you're on gingerbread, that's it. That's all you're ever going to get on that machine. And uh, so that has been a problem, and I mentioned that in the previous episode. So... Google didn't want everybody putting on their own. I also mentioned in the previous episode, I can't tell you what uh, Android would look like on a tablet because you never actually just see Android on the tablet, do you? You see that manufacturer's particular tweaking of the Android user interface. So there isn't any uniformity of, you know, there are certain basic things that uh, are making Android, but, you know, a lot of those are the things that this whole... Samsung, Apple, you know, FIDAR over user interface and, you know, look and feel and all this kind of stuff. is That's the stuff that just makes it a mobile device. So 
how do you even know that you've experienced, you know, this new Android interface when they've gone in and mucked around with it? So this is pure Android, which is a very positive kind of thing. It has the real Google Play Store, right, which used to be the, the Google App Store that has all of the really good apps. I expressed, you know, in that previous episode, my frustration that I don't know what or why, but uh, and probably it was because Google was uh, attempting to get everybody to use the Google App Store so that they could get their 30% of every app that's sold through the App Store. Uh, I don't know why free apps make any sense in that regard. Uh, unless there are in-app purchases, I guess, and then they get uh, a percentage of that. I, I'm not against Google, you know, making money. Uh, but the, this whole idea of not having any availability for your free app anywhere except the App Store is very frustrating for me because I can load an APK, right? But I couldn't get it anywhere except on the App Store, now the Google Play, and more about that later, and I didn't access to that on those other tablets. So I got access to the full App Store. Uh, it's, it is like butter. You know, that was the thing about Jelly Bean. This has the brand new plain vanilla, plain, uh, plain old Jelly Bean as Google delivers it, and it is a great operating system. It is a very pleasant intuitive, easy way to use a device and you could hand this to somebody and they'll be able to figure it out without a lot of tutelage. And it's smooth. It really is. It is like butter. So, it is uh, an excellent, excellent experience in almost every way. And there's a, a guy named Andy Anatko who is really, he's a technology guy and he writes for the Chicago Sun-Times Although he lives in Boston. I'm not sure how that works. But anyway, uh, he is writing about technology all the time. And he is really an Apple guy. I mean, he uses uh, Apple uh, as this primary system that he uses for, you know, all of his computing needs and, and has iOS devices for his mobile devices primarily and things like that. And he's, he's he, I don't know if you call him a bad boy or not, but, you know, he is, he's a, a pretty pro-Apple kind of a guy. And he made a comment that this is the first device before this in the tablet space. It really hasn't been a contest between the iPad and Android and the tablet. It's been a contest between the tablet that works and everything else. And now, finally, here is the tablet that works. I mean, you can hand it to somebody and not have to be on the phone with them telling them, do this, do that and do the other thing constantly. They're going to be able to, to you know, have a, a really good experience. Uh, I think it's interesting that Steve Jobs, uh, of many things that I didn't disagree with him with, there's some things I do agree and some things I disagree. Uh, the one thing I disagree with most is his statement that we're not going to make a 7-inch tablet because we've figured out that the 7-inch tablet is not good. You're not going to have a good experience with that smaller space. You need the, the bigger space. Our research shows this. Wrong. I want a 7-inch tablet. If, if, you know, they've been selling a 7-inch tablet all these years, I probably would have been mining from them because it is very useful for me. It's more portable, more on that later, and it is a tablet that, uh, you know, as I say, for reading, I can hold it in one hand in a portrait mode and flip through the book or magazines that I'm reading and 
it is an excellent, excellent reading experience. And the, the 10 inch tablets are a little bit too heavy. I mean, the magazines might look a little bit better on them, but, you know, it, it's, it's just not as good a reading experience as the uh, 7 inch tablets. And the rumor has it that they're going to come out with one in the fall. So there you go. They've seen this happen. They've seen the success, especially of the Google 7. The Kindle Fire and the Google 7 have turned this into a viable marketplace, and so they're going to go in with their offering and compete in that size marketplace. So there you go. The Kindle 7, I believe, uh, Kindle 7, the Nexus 7 had a, uh, well, it doesn't have the micro SD slot, right? The Kindle Fire doesn't have it, and the Nexus 7 doesn't have it. And so what you buy is what you get. Uh, there's two sizes. 8 and 16 gigabytes, and the 16 gigabytes, I believe, at least for a while, they were selling like hotcakes, and they stopped taking online orders for them because they did not think that they could uh, fulfill those orders in a you know, timely fashion. So, successful device, I think. Uh, I'm not sure whether that has started up for 16 gigabytes. I've even seen it in retail. Don't know about internationally, but uh, Office Depot, at least, had one the other day. I noticed when I was walking through, so you could buy it in real life. So, there are a couple of failures. One of them, I think, a pretty major one. But it's reasonably easily fixed due to the situation that you're in, uh, at least if you bought it online. Uh, but uh, the, the failures in terms of the Google Next, uh, the, the Nexus 7, all right, in my mind are, A, the home screen that you get with it will only operate in portrait mode, not in landscape mode. Now, one could argue that with a 7 inch tablet, you're holding it in portrait mode a whole lot more often than you are uh, having it set in, either holding it in landscape mode or setting it on a table in front of you with a little case stand or with a little stand and having it be in landscape mode. But your home screen really, really needed to be able to go from portrait to landscape, guys. Come on. Okay? Seriously. Uh, but there's a couple of fixes. There is the you don't need to hack anything fix. I believe you need some kind of root access or things like that to go in and you edit a little file that's somewhere very deep, you know, in the system and you could then uh, alter some pixel counts and get it to flip. Uh, you know, so there was a absolutely free, you can do it yourself. There is a free launcher that's available that would be an alternate launcher, but, you know, the launcher is really part of the operating system experience. So at that point, you're really not getting the same user experience on the home screen and the launcher and everything like that that was the out-of-the-box experience, whether that bothers you or not. Uh, or for, I think it was three bucks, there was a little uh, app that you could buy on the store. It didn't require you to do anything on the device, right? And it will allow you to tell the system whether you want the application to be in portrait, any application, including the launcher, to be in portrait mode, to be in landscape mode, or to, you know, you can force it to do that, or you can even force it to auto-rotate. So uh, given the fact that when you online buy, at least, you've got a $25 credit for pre-ordering. I don't know if it's ordering online now, but pre-ordering. And uh, so I had myself a $25 credit, so I spent three of my $25 buying the full $3 app. But they really should have done that out of the box, OK? 
Okay. Number two failure is there is a magnet kind of similar to uh, the iPads have a magnet. I don't think there's any other of the tablets that have this. Uh, so you, you can have these uh, covers, right, that on the iPad that it will have magnets at the end of the cover. And when you open up the cover, it unlocks the screen. So you don't have to do the little slide the finger thing. I'm not sure if you have a screen lock with password what happens with the cover. Uh, but Google has some you know things to detect the magnets also. Uh, I think probably their cover. I didn't purchase their cover that's available online, but I did purchase another cover that I'm enjoying quite a bit. Uh, that is a little uh, leather one, kind of minimalist. Uh, if anybody is out there listening that designs covers for these devices, I want covers that add almost no thickness to the device. I want the super thin protective cover. Uh, that's why I like the smart covers on the front. My Kindle Fire, I found a cover that was very minimalist, uh, adds very little thickness to the device. I don't want a nice leather-looking Moleskina that looks like a leather notebook. I want something that is, you know, strong and durable and is paper thin if you could do it, okay? I know that's asking for the impossible, but. Uh, so I found a nice cover. It's got the magnets on it. When you open it up, it doesn't require you to push the little power button to turn the screen on. So that's what it accomplishes, but you do have to still swipe. Now, who knows? Maybe they thought, you know, if we do it exactly the way the Apple device does it, they're going to sue us because we copied exactly what that does. Maybe that was actually the thought pattern which tells you something about what's wrong with today's litigious world of these kinds of devices. But, uh, you know, that seems like kind of a fail compared with my expectations from other devices that it's competing with. And the third one, and I think this is probably a major one for people who are online and listen to Hacker Public Radio and tend to uh, use their devices uh, very actively in terms of audio and things like that. As far as I can tell, and as far as my experimentation has gone, there's no way to connect any kind of exterior microphone and use that with the Nexus 7. Most of the Android devices, like other phones, have ways that there's a, a tip ring ring sleeve, right? It's, it's like four little connectors on the the you know thing that you plug into the headphone jack. So if you have a headset that's wired correctly that has not only the earbuds, uh, also a microphone, then and it's wired properly for the device, then you can plug that in and use that microphone rather than the microphone that's built into the device for a phone. Uh, or you can use a Bluetooth headset, of course, that has a microphone and use that in conjunction with it. Apparently, that's not the way the Nexus 7 was designed. Devices uh, that you know, headsets that would work with other Android phones and things like that, and use the external headset, not with the Nexus 7. So there's no way to hardware a mic in, and even a Bluetooth headset will not sync properly. I've tried this with some Bluetooth headsets that I have. I still have another headset or two to try to see if this remains to be true or is in fact uh, a fact, but. You know, it's that, that's a kind of 
fail for me because I'm, you know, I'm all about, you know, being on Mumble and walking around the house and talking with the guys, and, uh, you know, that's not as good a situation when I'm using the internal mic as opposed to a headset mic of some type. So, if you do a lot of Skyping or Google Hangouting and you, you know, this will work for that. Uh, in fact, I did one with Kevin O'Brien, uh, who is the, the guy who does PR. He's a hookah here on HBR, and he is the, uh, the, what am I searching for? The public relations guy for Ohio Linux Fest coming up in September. And, uh, he was trying to test out some audio and video connection because he's going to be doing lots of Skyping and Google Hangouting and things like that for uh, being on different shows and uh, promoting the uh, Linux test. And uh, so you need somebody to test it out. And I was working and I hooked up with, uh, with the Nexus 7, but it was the internal microphone. Uh, so that's a fail. And then there is uh, the, well, those three are, are really the technological fails. And then there is just a generalized thing that was was a big fail in my mind, and that is Google doesn't know how to sell me physical goods. Uh, you know, when I order something from Amazon, who's admittedly, I mean, even they have to admit, they're, they're going right after Amazon with this, okay? They're going after the Kindle Fire. And so that's who I'm comparing them to. That's That's one of their big competitors, right? It's not just Apple. It's also the Amazon buying experience and the ecosystem. And when I buy something on Amazon, then I go to Amazon, and I can see about my order right there on Amazon, and I can track my package, and it will then allow me to track it. Now, in Amazon's case, it allows me to track the package right there in Amazon. In some cases, you know, you click that, and it goes off to the UPS side or, you know, whoever it is that was shipped with, and you can track it there. But it's, I'm all going to one space. With Google Play, you pre-ordered it on Google Play, but then when I back to go back to Google Play, I couldn't find any place to look at my order, see what the status was, because there was also kind of a mini fail that they actually started having things stocked in stores before they actually delivered devices to people pre-ordered. That always bothers me, you know. If you pre-order, you want to get it before I could walk into the store and buy it. You know, I'm just saying. But uh, I know they're trying to get a feel for uh, how many items they need to have and what channels and stuff. But So I went back to the email that I got about my order, and it was routing me over to Google Wallet. Now, technically speaking, yes, I paid for it with my Google Wallet, but should I really go to Google Wallet? You would think that everything tells me that Google hires people that are smartest people in the room, right? You take tests to see how smart you are before you can work for Google. Surely a whole bunch of people who are usually the smartest people in the room could figure out a way to integrate their own Google Wallet site with their own Google Play site so that I'm not having to go to a physical different URL to get to my order. It just seems odd to me. And then the whole thing, I mean, literally, I ended up having to talk with a very pleasant young man, and he literally couldn't tell me for sure what the status of my order was, uh, whether it was on a truck somewhere. You know, it's it just they, they kind of fell down in the whole, and I'm sure 
because it was a long, long wait time in the queue. And I'm sure that long, long wait time in the queue to talk to a Google representative was because of these types of orders that were you know, supposed to be coming and people were calling about them. So we all know that you know, Google's you know, telephone kind of customer care has not been stellar. Uh, but in this case, when you start shipping me physical goods, you got to start thinking about this more. So, anyway, other than that, though, Google Nexus 7 is a buy. And I am at my destination, so I am going to bid you adieu, and we will talk to you next time about uh, my latest gadgets. And you should call in the Hacker Public Radio and tell us about your latest gadget, your latest project, or your latest buying experience of your technologies. And in the meantime, look forward to uh, some future episodes coming from me. I'm also doing audio booths out there. If you look at Google Plus and uh, my Twitter screen, I'm Mr. Gadgets uh, on uh, Twitter. And uh, you can find some things there uh, about uh, what it is that I'm doing with audio boo, which is a little kind of five-minute uh, micro-podcast kind of a thing. And uh, so I'm doing some regular entries there. If you're interested uh, on AudioBlue, I'm also Mr. Gadgets. And I will, as I say, have in Google+, uh, as well as over on Twitter, uh, different things that I have posted there. And in the meantime, you be careful out here on the technological frontier, and I'll be out here trailblazing for you. And we'll talk to you later. Bye now. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.